We have been studying the book of Hebrews by looking at the, uh, the, this fact. I want you to take this this morning. Our Lord Jesus Christ is better. He's, he's better. And by the way, I want you to understand that God reveals that the Lord Jesus Christ is better not by making anything less than it is. Our Lord shows us how great that which he has used is and then says, and Jesus is better than that. And Jesus is better than that. Oh, that we each, that each and every one of us would begin to grow in the grace and knowledge of how great our Lord Jesus Christ is. As your pastor, as the minister here at Tidewater, my, my sole desire, my sole desire is that you would learn, that you would learn of the all-sufficiency of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would learn that Christ is all. Christ is all. That, that it is wonderful that we would bear one another's burdens. I am glad to sit in counsel with you at any time, to help you at any time, but each time we meet together, it is going to be my, my joy to point you to the Lord Jesus Christ, because He is what you need. He is what you need. More than you need to pick up the phone, more than you need to make a visit, more than anything, you simply need to turn your face upon Jesus. He desires to be who He is in your life, and that is the Messiah, the Savior, the God who is more than enough, the Alpha and the Omega. He wants you to know that. And I want to show you that again as we begin uh, looking through the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1. <clears throat> God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who, his Son, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, set down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Father, can we touch these things this morning? Can we begin to appropriate these things in our minds and then beyond that in our hearts? May we begin to understand how significant it is that our Lord Jesus is the heir of all things, but he's also the creator of all of these things. And by himself, by himself, he has purged our sins. It is our desire that the Lord Jesus Christ would receive the glory and the honor and the praise and the worship and the adoration that he deserves. And it is our desire that each and every one that would hear these things would be greatly blessed, eternally blessed by the power of these truths. Bless us as we consider this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. For years we have done uh, classes, uh, not just the 
Sunday morning and Sunday evening and Sunday school and Wednesday night. But for years, we have done classes on other nights of the week. Uh, there's probably been a Tuesday night class every night for, for almost every night, almost every Tuesday night for years and years and years. I don't even know how many years. And I have, uh, I, to my knowledge, I think since I've been in, uh, ministering here, which is, I don't know now, 15 plus years, I guess, uh, always been teaching classes. Anne-Marie commented in a class one time, she said, you could teach twice as fast if you'd spent half as much time rehearsing what we looked at the last week and the week before that, before you taught this week. And she's right. But we need to see what we've seen. Amen? You need to understand that chapter 5 was not given arbitrarily in the middle of nowhere. Chapter 5 comes after chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4. God has purposefully, intelligently, by the way, with his intelligence, put these things together. Amen? The reason, the reason there is such great misunderstanding about things of God, the reason there are so many cults, the reason there is such false teaching is because so much is taken out of context. So much is simply used for a couple of verses here and a couple of verses there. But it is important to you, it is important to you that you believe the word of God as God gave it. That you believe the word of God as God wants you to have it. That you understand that Hebrews chapter 5 comes after 4, which comes after 3, which comes after 2, which comes after 1. And Hebrews, the very beginning, again, we're not even going to take the time today to place Hebrews in its place in the canon. We're not going to do that again. But I want you to understand that when you open your Bible to some place in Hebrews where Christ is better, and there are all these warnings to the Hebrews and to all of the readers about rejecting this Messiah, this Lord Jesus Christ, that God wants you to begin here at the beginning. For centuries, God had given His Word. Let's see, God who at sundry times, different times, and in diverse manners, different ways, spake in time past unto the fathers, being the, the Hebrews of old, by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. God wants us to know, i tell you, how many of us are beginning to enter into the significance of what God says through the prophets. Now the prophets talked of the things of the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah, and that which the Messiah would bring with him, not just salvation, but that he would bring the comforter who would then indwell believers and everything would change. Amen? We live in, we live in an age like no other in the history of mankind. We live where God does not meet with the individual in the tabernacle or in the temple, but God meets with the individual within the individual. Amen? Do you understand that you do not need a man of God to teach you about God because God wants to teach you about God? He has given us the Word of God, and He has given you the Spirit of God, and the prophets understood these things, but they knew that they weren't going to get them. They understood that. They searched these things. They looked into them. They marveled at them, and they understood we don't understand. I can't even imagine Isaiah. Spend some time reading Isaiah. I can't imagine Isaiah going over his own writings. 
sitting there going back and forth through the scroll, back and forth through the scroll, and saying, these things are, are amazing. I do not understand them. I know God told me to say those things, but I do not enter into everything. By the way, we read them today, we still don't enter into everything. Amen? It's hard sometimes to understand the difference between the first coming and the second coming. I'm not sure that Isaiah was necessarily even aware that there was a first coming and a second coming, if you, if you understand. If you go over to the Blue Ridge Mountains, anybody ever, everybody ever driven into western Virginia and then through western Virginia into West Virginia? Anybody ever done that? You realize that there are multiple ranges of the Smoky Mountains. Yes, you understand that, right? As you approach them, the ones that are closer to you are kind of a grayish, bluish, and then behind that. And they, they kind of get to the Purple Mountains majesty type of a thing. Off in the distance, the, the, the barely visible mountains. And you look at those different colors and you say, look at those mountains. See them, see how, see how beautiful they are. But what you don't understand is that there's actually miles, in some places, hundreds of miles between the first set of mountains you're looking at, the second set of mountains you're looking at, the third and the fourth set of mountains that you're looking at. You have to go up and down and up and down. Well, I believe as God revealed these things to the prophets, they looked forward to them just like we would see the Smoky Mountains. And they see them all together, but they don't understand the gap between them that we live in right now. He spoke unto the fathers by the prophets, but he has in these last days spoken unto us by the Son. Yesterday we studied uh, together um, Exodus 27, I want to say. In Exodus 27, you're, you're continuing God's description of how to assemble the tabernacle. And as we were looking at it, now this is, of course, Last week's and the week before that is fresh in people's minds, and we're beginning to understand that God is laying these things out. I want you to, I want to, walk, I want you to walk with me, just, please, just for a moment. I want you to walk with me toward the tabernacle. I want you to walk with me toward the tabernacle. Now, depending upon the direction that you go to approach the tabernacle, you'll recognize that the tabernacle is basically a large rectangle. It is 100 cubits long, on, on, on the north and south side, and on the east and west side, it is 50 cubits wide. But there is no door on any side but the eastern side. There's only one way in. Amen? There's only one way. People, there's only one way. How many people can have a relationship with God? Everybody can have a relationship with God. Amen? How many people can come to God? Everyone. But how can they come? One way. One way. People say, why aren't there two ways? And it really isn't that people want two ways, they want their way. Do you understand? If there were a hundred ways, we would want a hundred and one ways. If there are a thousand ways, we'd want a thousand and one way. Because the truth of the matter is everybody wants their way. That's the problem. That's why there's one way. The one way just isn't your way. It's God's way. God wants to meet with you, but he wants you to recognize that you're going to have to humble yourself to meet with him. Amen? But he's made a wonderful provision. So we come around to the east now, and we come to the center of the, of the eastern side where there is a doorway that is wider than the two sides beside it. It's actually a very nice opening to go through. As you go in, the very first thing you'll see is an altar where the blood is shed. Your approach to God begins with blood. Amen? The approach to God begins begins with the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. 
It begins with the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. This one hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. You walk in, you see this, all this blood. Behind that, you can see where the priests washed themselves in the laver. Behind that, you can see the entrance to another building that you can't even go into. It's the holy place. And only the priests can go into the holy place. And in, if you were able to walk into the holy place, when you got into the holy place, in front of you, you'd see, an, you'd see incense burning. On your left-hand side, you would see a candlestick. It's, a, it's not a candlestick like we think of it. We would consider it a lamp with multiple heads on it, all with oil that would burn quite brightly in that room. The whole room, by the way, is made of gold. It would be beautiful to behold. On the right-hand side, you'd see the, see the table of showbread. And then past the incense you would see a curtain. It's a very thick curtain, by the way. And on that curtain, you would see cherubim. And the cherubim are basically saying, don't come in here. You can't come in here. Nobody can come in here. Just a high priest once a year. And he takes the blood of the lamb, the perfect lamb, after he has made atonement for his own sins, he then takes this blood, he goes into the Holy of Holies, and when you get in there, there's the mercy seat. There's the Ark of the Covenant with the mercy seat sitting on it, and he applies the blood there. If his sacrifice is accepted, he lives, and he comes back out. And when he comes back out, he comes all the way back out through the holy place, past the laver, past the altar, all the way to the mouth of the tabernacle, to the tent, that opening on the east side, he comes out where all of Israel is gathering to wait to find out whether the offering was accepted, and he lifts up his hands, and he says, the offering was accepted, and God Almighty wants to bless all of you. Isn't that wonderful? And they wait in anticipation every year, will he be heard? Will he be heard? Will he be heard? Will the sacrifice be acceptable? Well, I want you to, I want you to, in all that I just described, I want you to see that in your mind, and then I want you to recognize in the Gospels when the Lord Jesus Christ says, it is finished, immediately, you go read it, you look for yourself, it is finished, and God tears the, the veil between the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place immediately in half. And you don't have to stop anymore at the mouth of the tabernacle. You don't have to stop anymore at the altar, at the laver. You can go through the holy place, into the holy of holies, to the throne of grace, and fall down right now. Amen? Amen. And you don't have to come to this church to do it. He has spoken unto us by His Son. Amen? And this book of Hebrews is going to reveal to us that He is that lamb, that he is that high priest, that he is the tabernacle, that he is the blood, that he is everything. Christ is all. He is all. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Not he that's a Baptist hath life. Not he that goes to church hath life. Not he that's been baptized has life. He that hath the Son hath life. God has spoken unto us by his Son whom we have appointed heir of all things. Do you realize that we are joint heirs with Jesus? Do you realize that you're a joint heir with Jesus? Do you understand that? Everything that he has earned, you get. That's a good deal. That's not a good deal. That's a great deal. 
By the way, everything that I earned, he took. Amen? So that everything he earned, I would get to have. Praise God. Really, glory to God. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. It's okay, if you, it's okay, Billy, if you get up and run a little bit, it's okay. Amen? Came up to me after the morning message last week. He said, he said, I don't understand how you can study these things without getting up and running around in your office. I said, I do sometimes get up and run around in my office. Pat, I said, Pat Ruger's come into my office when I was doing a little dance in my office. <laughs> it's okay to be Pentecostal when you're by yourself. Amen? These are wonderful things. We do, not look, we do not meet here on a Sunday morning to be religious. We do not meet here on a Sunday morning to go through a ritual. We meet here because Jesus is the Christ. Amen? Amen? I, listen, I am forgiven, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Amen? I hope you are. I hope you are. I hope you are a new creature. I hope you are a new creature. If you are a new creature, you have life. You have eternal life. Nothing can ruin it. Nothing can subtract from it. Now, you can enjoy the time here a lot more if you'll walk close to God. Amen? But if you have the Son, then you have life. If the blood is on your account, if it is paid in full to telesty, it is finished, good for you. Amen? Amen. But let me tell you, Jesus has paid it all. All of it. Every single bit of it. You get no brownie points for coming to church today. Amen? Do you understand that? You get no gold star and you're going to get in if you get enough of them. You're either going into heaven because of the blood or you're not going in. Amen? Praise Jesus. Heir of all things. But he's not just the heir of all things. He's the creator of all things. I don't have time. And I don't know that all of you have the desire anyway. As an engineer, I spent a lot of time with uh, oscilloscopes and spectrum analyzers, which a lot of people don't care about. What it means is that you can actually stop things that are going real fast, and you can look at them. Now, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about picoseconds, okay? Picoseconds, that's, that's quick. It's quicker than that. It's much quicker than that. There are a lot of picoseconds in that period of time. And I could stop them and look at them. Look at them. See that little bit of ringing on the end of the transistor and say, oh, that's the problem right there. That's the problem with that circuit right there. We're going to have to put a little capacitor and blah, blah, blah. You don't care. <laughs> but I did. I did. They're paying me a lot of money to figure that out. Amen. I remember one day realizing that God could run around in that if he wanted to. That's how great our God is. Not only does he understand the universe, he understands the picosecond. He understands everything. You understand that? Jesus Christ created the atoms that do all of these things. He holds them all together, all of them together. We spend so much time in agony praying about things, wondering if God is able to do it. And all the time he's saying, hey, you hold one atom together. You try it for a little while. Do you know what happens when an atom releases the energy within within it? You do know. You just don't know why you know. But do you know what happens when atoms release their energy? Anybody want to know? Ask the people in Japan what happens when the atoms release their energy. It's a terrible explosion. You know, the Bible is very clear that the heavens and the earth will melt with a fervent heat. You know that? You know what that is? That is the Big Bang. (laughs) I believe in the Big Bang. They just got it on the wrong end. That's all. It's not how it began. It's how it's going to end. Amen. It will end in a Big Bang. It will. It will end in a Big Bang. And you know what? When it ends, this is what's going to happen. The Bible is very clear that not, not in this passage, but Jesus not only made everything, by him all things consist, which means he keeps them all together. 
So for Jesus to, to destroy the universe, you want to know what he has to do? Let go. He just has to let go. When he lets go, it'll all be destroyed. And we'll get a new heavens and a new earth. Amen? Amen. Wherein dwelleth righteousness. Only righteousness. Amen? Oh, praise God for that. And this corruptible will put on incorruptible. There'll be no selfishness. There'll be no sin. No, there'll be no sickness, there'll be no death, there'll be no weeping, there'll be no crying. But you know what's funny? Is there a great number of people who want to remain selfish, who rejoice in the fact that there'll be no sickness or crying. No, 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 there'll be no sin. Amen? I believe the last tears will be wiped away as the memory of your sins are removed. Amen? I'm not going to carry my sins to heaven. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? I am confused sometimes when I listen to people talk about Christians at the Bema giving an answer for their sins. I'm not giving an answer for my sins. I'm not. Jesus gave an answer for my sins. If the Father judged him and then is going to judge me, something's wrong. By the way, I'd go to hell if he judged me. You understand that? There will be rewards at the Bema or the absence of rewards, but there will be no judgment for sin. At the great white throne... There will be a judgment for sin. God will separate either what we could call the sheep from the goats, those who have Christ from those who do not have Christ, and those who do have Christ will go to heaven and dwell with him there. Those that do not will go to the lake of fire. And they will not die in the lake of fire. They will just continue to pay for the sins that they continue to commit because of their own selfish, wicked hearts. Amen? When I was a baby Christian, you need to deal with this. When I was a baby Christian, one of the first things that I was puzzled about is if someone lives for 100 years, why would the penalty for 100 years of selfishness be an eternity of suffering? It just seems like overkill, and God doesn't strike me as if he would care to be the God of overkill. And so I began to pray about it and study, and and this is what I realized as I was studying, and you need to understand this, people that go into the lake of fire do not stop sinning. They do not suddenly become unselfish. And so they don't pay for yesterday's sins. They're just suffering for today's all the time. Don't die that way. Don't die that way. Repent. And we'll be done with this when we understand this. Who being the brightness of his glory? The Lord Jesus Christ. You want to see the glory of God the Father? Do you want to see the glory of the Father? Then look at the Son. Amen? Do you want to see the glory of the Creator? Do you want to see the the glory of the God of the universe? Then go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read about Jesus. Because it says right here, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, he did everything right. And then we get to the part of this whole thing that makes you run around. When he had by himself purged our sins. Amen? Amen? Who purged your sins? Who helped him? Nobody. Nobody. Who purged, your, who purged your sins? Christ. Jesus. Who helped him? Nobody. Who purged your sins? Who helped him? Are you helping him today? Are you suffering so you'll be worthy? If you're suffering to be worthy, then you're never going to be worthy. You understand that the suffering that we do now is because we're already worthy and the world hates us like it hates him. Amen. Do you understand that you are not suffering to become worthy? The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins when he had by himself. 
purged our sins. Amen. Go to Revelation chapter 5. Pick it up there. Amen. Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy. Thou, I'll tell you what, there'll be some singing in heaven. There will be some singing. I, I, again, I got to say this. I remember it's an old, an old black Southern Baptist preacher talking about glory. He says, you know, in heaven, there's going to be singing. There's going to be movement. Some of y'all are going to get run over. Amen. Some of y'all are going to get run over. There will be glory there. There will be worship there. There will be adoration there. Without sin, perfect worship. But, but, if you're a new creature this morning, the inward man delights in this now. Some of you feel it just as we're sitting here. Some of you where you're sitting right now think, Jesus is worthy. Jesus is really, thank you, Jesus, for saving me from my sins. Thank you for making me a new creature. Thank you for giving me a new heart. Thank you for giving me a new life. Thank you for making such a difference. If you're not sitting here thinking that, I hope you're okay. And I worry that you're not. And I worry that you're not. If you're not where you're sitting right now, rejoicing in him by himself, purging our sins, maybe he hasn't purged yours. But he did pay for them. He did pay for them. And he'd like to meet with you about that. Amen? He'd like to meet with you about that. He'd like for you to repent and let him take away your guilt. He'd like to meet with you about that. What's he doing right now? Sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. (laughs) When we see Stephen being stoned, we see Jesus standing. I do not know if Jesus stands to receive everyone. I do not know. It's preached that way. I'd like to wonder that it's, if it's true or not. I do know that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Amen? Precious. God calls very few things precious. The death of a single saint is precious to God. There's joy in the presence of the angels of heaven when one sinner repents. When you repent, listen to me, and I'm not trying to be irreverent, but I believe the passage is saying this. When you repent, the angels get to see God rejoice. That's a marvelous thing to me.